0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: What is up, believers and Bear Down Nation? This is the Believe in Bears podcast. I am your host Cameron Lee,
0: and I am Joey Christopoulos. And today's Believe in Bears is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Did somebody say playoffs? Because I just did. The NBA, the NHL, and even MLB right now—it's all in full swing—and our partners at BetOnline.ag have you covered. And let me just say, if you put a little wager down on the over on Giolito strikeouts and him throwing a no no today, you might be heading into a retirement plan. And you can do that when you gamble and bet at betonline.ag. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always that online casino as well on the site. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus and your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts cameron what are we talking about on the pod today episode
1: four this show we're definitely going to get into a little bit of the uh quarterback competition everyone needs to check in on that we're about i think it's six padded practices into camp right now so definitely want to check in on that uh give you guys a little bit of an update we're going to talk a little bit about the bears defense which we don't give enough attention to although that really should be the part of the team that we pay the most attention to. So we'll get in a little bit about that, talk a little fantasy, and a few other things from around the league. But before we get to that, speaking of around the league, this false positive situation that came up over the weekend, Joey, uh, so many teams, I believe it was four or five, six teams that uh, had all these false positives. What, what sort of is your takeaway um, as we kind of see all of these false false positives uh, popping up around the league uh, with regard to these COVID tests. And and what does that mean moving forward?
0: My question is, can we have nice things, Cam? Can we just have nice things with sports? Uh, Can we just get through this thing? You know, it is one thing to have in the situation with MLB where you actually do have positives on the team. You're worried about the health and safety, so you shut down on the games. But when you're having false positives, what was it? Seven Chicago Bears, you know, tested positive, then tested negative, all coming out of the same laboratory. You know, Cameron, what if this happens week two, week three in the middle of the season? You know, they're going to be forced to perhaps cancel a game over a situation like this. The NFL's got to get wrinkled out, man. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, this is I mean, this is really a scary situation. Not just I mean, obviously, it's great that these were false positives and that we're not dealing with real you know, positive tests. That's great. But at the same time, this is really scary for the league itself you know the people making schedules people trying to to do all these things and make sure that we have the season and plays out in a timely fashion if if we're having false positives and they're occurring so rapidly so easily i mean that's terrifying and so what are we going to do like you said come the regular season and one of these false positives occurs i mean if Patrick Mahomes has a test has a false positive the day or two before the game i mean they're not going to not Play Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is the NFL. This is about the money. So there's just lots of stuff going on right now that I think is, you know, we just don't have any clue how this all works out. This is uncharted waters, unprecedented territory, and I think the NFL does have a lot of cleaning up to do as far as uh, what are these protocols, what are these procedures, and how do we fix these things and make sure that we are on the right track come this regular season because we're getting down to it, you know. And so I I just there I have a lot of questions about these protocols and procedures, and, and really how do we get this stuff fixed? It seems to be
0: singled out to just one laboratory right now, which is good news. New Jersey strikes again, not to be glib, but let's be real about it. Pump your own gas, New Jersey. Uh, you know, asking you as a former player, maybe not like what your emotions are, you know, going through the process of, you know, let's just say you had a test that came back positive. Maybe you're not your emotions that are going on through there, but what would your emotions be after you found out two days later that it was a negative test and you just went through all of that, all the preparation, and then you find out that maybe not only are you sick, but you can't play? And then you find out that you're negative. What are your, what would be your emotions there?
1: The, the thing about it is that I just lose all trust and faith in the system. You know, I want to believe that this is the NFL. They're spending so much money to, to put this stuff in order to make this stuff work, to make it right, to make sure that everyone is safe. And all of a sudden, you know, we're only a couple weeks into training camp and we're coming up with 77 false positives. That's insane to me. I want to be able to trust and know that, You know, if anyone, if any league, if any organization, if anyone in the world is going to get the right results, it's us. It's the NFL. And so I just kind of lose faith in that. And I think that's kind of, you know, is a little bit of a discredit and, you know, shows a little bit of illegitimacy across the league. You know, it's going to be a lot harder for guys to trust and believe in everything that they're seeing and everything that they're reading and everything that they're being told regarding this whole COVID issue. We want everyone to believe that they're safe. We want everyone to believe that that this is the best. Well, I mean, the best just came up maybe a little short this time. So, like we said, they were false positives. Maybe it was just a one-time thing. They've corrected the issue. I don't know. But just having a breach in the system this early on and that is so drastic, it's not a great sign.
0: 20 days till, you know, the first snap of on Thursday Night Football for Week 1 and you just nailed it right on the head. You know, it is something if it's one time, right? But in this thing, when we have to take it so seriously, it's strike one, you know, and great that it's 20 days before the season starts. But they got to clean that up quickly for the sake of the players and obviously for the sake of the fans. But most importantly, those players that are going out there and being told that everything is safe and that they're taking the proper protocols. I mean, that stuff comes from up top, right? That's not a player sneaking out of the hotel. You know, that's not a situation where they're breaking protocol. You know, the league has to look extra careful over these players. Then the players would have to look after themselves.
1: You just want to be confident that your employer has your safety and your best interest in hand and at heart. And right now, it's just, it's hard to say that they have a grip on that. Not to say that they have bad intentions, because obviously this was a mistake, but, you know, even a mistake can shake someone's confidence.
0: And speaking of confidence and talking about interests of my heart, you did mention a little quarterback competition going on right now. We do want to check in every once in a while just with a very, very big issue that's going to really help dictate the Bears' success this season. As you said, six full padded practices in as been recorded per reporters. Mitch Trubisky, interception count zero. Nick Foles is one. What's your take from just kind of what's beginning to trickle out of that competition?
1: First of all, I wanted to say that I was thinking about this a lot and you know the the competition between Nick and Mitch sounds a lot like a uh, sounds a lot like Chris Harrison should be standing up there between the two of them holding a rose, like <laughs> the battle the battle for Chicago's heart. It's come down to Mitchell and Nick. I was going to say it's
0: like a, like a '90s rom com, right? Of, uh, <laughs> right. of prom king on the line here, and and are they exactly. going to make the right choice here?
1: There's a big choice. There's a big choice in him, but no. But in all seriousness, you know, I'm. I think that there are some positives to be taken away from, you know, these limited mistakes, if you will, or these limited number of interceptions through six practices. You know, you can't take too much, you can't put too much stock into practice reps. It's never going to be quite the same as a game. And obviously we still want to see more, but I do think that you can uh, trust that, you know, those, those limited interceptions are the result of the guys making better decisions Trying to play more within themselves within the offense, trying to take you know to make the smarter plays so much than the great play, and I think that for at least for Mitch is definitely a step uh, in the right direction and kind of learning the offense, honing his role within the offense, and really you know kind of taking the next step in in his progression. So I'm excited to see that you know through this point zero interceptions. I you know anyone can throw an interception at practice, so I think to have been through six practices zero interceptions that's great. Nick Foles, you know, kind of getting acclimated to this team, trying to learn his role in the middle of a heated battle. One interception, I don't think that's so bad either.
0: Let's kick it and stick it on Mitch for a second here. You know, the first two seasons, Matt Nagy was the head coach of the team in training camp. He talked a lot about encouraging Mitch to not purposefully make mistakes, but take chances during camp, try and fit things through tight windows and figure out what he said he can and can't get away with. In your opinion, for a player like Mitch Trubisky, and obviously, they're doing it differently this year. It looks like they're running a more high-efficient, at least, offense and maybe not taking as many chances. For a development like Mitch Trubisky, do you agree with you know, Matt Nagy encouraging a player to go out there and take risks? Would you take that kind of perspective as a coach, or would you rather see Mitch Trubisky do the little things first and keep things safe and just run a, run a tight unit on offense? You know, as a coach, which one do you think you'd probably lean on?
1: You know early on I think not knowing exactly what we had in Mitch you you are kind of excited to see you know what this guy's got and him being the number 2 overall draft pick and you know sort of having this little bit of a of a reputation and sort of this you know kind of expectations we want to see Mitch make the big play we want to see that this draft pick's going to pay off we want to see him you know, go out there and be a franchise changing quarterback. So I don't blame Nagy for coming in with this idea of trying to instill confidence in his young player and saying, Hey, take this offense by the horns and be the leader and be that guy that can make those big plays. Granted, through two seasons, I'm not really sure that it has paid off all that much. So I don't I don't think it's a bad idea for him to come back and say, Okay, we know who you are now. And maybe we put a little bit too much on your shoulders. Maybe we tried to give you too much free will. Now let's dial it back a bit and play within ourselves, play within our offense. And, you know, maybe we change our approach. Maybe we change our mindset and, you know, who we are within this offense. You can still be successful in that regard. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we obviously, he went out there, had this expectation. It wasn't met, but that doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't mean it's all for naught. It doesn't mean that it's a total loss. Okay. We will readjust. We will rescope our expectations. We'll rescope our approach. And we'll come in this year and we'll, we'll play within ourselves a little bit more. I don't think that's a bad approach. I, I do like the idea of, Hey, we've got this young gun, young gun quarterback, number two, overall pick. Let's see what he's got.
0: The irony is it's almost like Nagy's asking Trubisky to play like Nick Foles because Nick Foles in training <laughs> camp, right. Isn't going to be taking those chances. He's going to show what he does best, which is run a professional outfit out there as an offensive unit and make the smart, efficient, Uh, the pass, whether it's the check down or whether it's the second or third read. And it's sort of like that's what they're asking Trubisky to do. But obviously Trubisky's talents, physically his athleticism would probably be the preference in the long run if he can pull it off.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that though. You know, you bring in a guy like Nick Foles because in the event that he does become the starting quarterback for this team, we've talked about this so many times. This defense can be stellar. This defense is going to keep them in games no matter what. And in the past, it hasn't been you know, that that they haven't gone out and won games. It seems like at times they're just trying not to lose them on the offensive side of the ball. So... There have been times where you just want to see a game manager, someone that can really just control the ball, control the tempo, control the pace, and just, you know, make sure that the offense is functioning smoothly, that they're getting first downs, that they're making the right decisions, and that ultimately, you know, points are going on the scoreboard. No one's asking them to put up 40 points a game. They don't need to. That Bears defense is going to keep them in every single game. So Foles is a great addition and someone that, Trubisky, whether he's the starter or not, can learn from in that regard. Like you mentioned, Mitch's athleticism, the things that he can do with the ball in his hands, he does have high upside because he can provide different things, you know, in a gadget style offense like Matt Nagy likes to instill. You know, you hope that eventually we can have a little bit more pop, a little bit more spark, and we can get beyond just that game manager mentality. But for the time being, push come to shove. If you just have a game manager, if this defense is where they were at, at that level in 2018, I think the bears will be fine. If that's the case,
0: all eyes are on the offense, but you're bringing up the defense right now. And you brought up a great point at the very top, a unit that we don't worry about. Therefore we don't talk about, but maybe we can get into it just a little bit. You know, obviously two years ago, you know, a turnover machine, we're dancing in the end zone. You know, we're doing Motown on Thanksgiving day, like running passes back. And, it's, and I don't can't remember a season where I've actually laughed out loud at the TV more as they do the dances, you know, just out of pure joy. Last year, some say they took a step back, but they were still pretty damn good. You know, you've talked about it briefly on the pod before, but let's kind of dive into it a little bit more now. You know, Cameron, what do you see for this defense this season? You know, bounce back, stay the same, regress. What are you thinking?
1: I think this defense obviously took a little bit of a step back, especially statistically last year. Uh, when you look at Khalil Mack and the, and the sacks going down to eight and a half for, for the season, which is a great number by many people's standards. It's a, it's a small number for Khalil Mack, you know, Leonard Floyd only had three sacks despite starting in all 16 games, which is his career, his career low, the absence of Akeem Hicks in the middle and injuries to, you know, obviously Danny Trevathan, um, Eddie Jackson had uh, fewer, I believe, his fewer interceptions and just seemed a little bit out of place at times. So uh, I think that there were a, a lot of things that contributed to this team not seeming to be as strong as they were previously. But I don't think that that was. Totally fair. There were just a lot of factors that played into it, whether it be injuries, new scheme, new coordinator, all these sorts of things. I would not be surprised, though, if we see in 2020, we see a little bit of a bounce back. With a healthy Hakeem Hicks, I believe you're going to see an improved Khalil Mack, some more sacks there. Bringing in Robert Quinn, who I believe had 11 and a half sacks, was one of the leaders in the league last year. Playing opposite Khalil Mack, you're going to have a hell of a pass rush. You got to love that. They're going to create pressure, they're going to get to quarterbacks. You know, even losing an an Eddie Goldman, which is definitely going to hurt. I believe that they've got depth up front. They've got athleticism at the second and third levels. I'm excited about this team. And I think that we will see a bounce back from the Bears defense this year.
0: The Injuries last year seemed to just come at the worst time. And of course, you don't want to blame a season on injuries, but it's still a reality that you have to have the next guy step up. And sometimes the next guy that steps up isn't as huge and intimidating and as monstrous as Akeem Hicks. So, I mean, that just sort of kind of goes with the territory a little bit. And I also noticed last year, as opposed to 2018, a lot of in-game situations that really burned this defense that weren't necessarily fair, in my opinion. You know, they were on the field a lot, a lot of three and outs from the offense last year, a lot of turnovers on the other side of the field. So they had short field situations where I think the Bears did a decent job of holding the team to field goals, but they couldn't really, what they call it, pin their ears back, right, and like really get off and get at an opposing offense because – You know, the team itself seemed to be on its heels all last season.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. And we always make the point of mentioning how much each phase of the game, whether it be offense or defense or special teams, how much those things are are intertwined. And when you talk about the defense never really getting to pin their ears back because the offense never put the defense in a position to go out there and just be in attack mode, you know, when you're playing from behind or when the offense isn't moving the ball and you're getting these three and outs and now all of a sudden the defense is coming on the field and the opposing offense is in a strong position. You never get to see that defense in that, Hey, this is our time. That swagger mentality, you know, it makes a big difference. Those things are so much more interconnected than I think the casual fan realizes. And so that's why football is the, is the greatest team sport that there is. We would love to see, you know, just that overall functionality of the offense and how much it's going to help out the defense and, and vice versa. Those things are so important.
0: So for Bears fans, when they see Khalil Mack 8.5 sacks, they go, you know, what happened to Khalil? He had, you know, he had a down year, disappointing year, couldn't get after the court. You know, what happens next? As a former player and just from your own perspective, you know, just from watching Khalil Mack last season, big deal, little deal, and no deal about his production last year. And do you see a bounce Mack? For him this season, see
1: what I did there? I do. I, <laughs> I I see the eight and a half sacks, and I I think it's totally understandable for most fans to say, oh, he had a down year. But like I said, you have to understand how these things are connected to one another. uh Akeem Hicks played five games last year. Five games. People don't. I, maybe you don't know how big of, a, of an impact Khalil or Akeem Hicks is going to have on Khalil Mack. Keem Hicks is going to take up so much attention of an offensive line let me tell you as someone who went against Akeem Hicks every single day for an entire season on the practice squad he takes up a lot of your attention and as an offensive line when you have multiple players that you need to double team on a defensive line you know pass rushers and, and all of that that puts you that makes you so spread out so thin makes your job so difficult and it only makes it easier for the defensive line and you know, those pass rushers So when you take away a force like Akeem Hicks, and that's not to say that there weren't good backups, but there's no Akeem Hicks level backups on that team. Now all of a sudden, uh, Khalil Mackasing double and triple teams, he's not going to be as effective. You know, it's just he's just not. That's just the way it works. I think that the, you know, the presence of Akeem makes a big difference. I think having another established pass rusher on the outside in um, Robert Quinn kind of taking that. Uh, Leonard Floyd role is going to make a big difference because the more people you have up there that present a threat, the more the offense, the more the offensive line has to pay attention to those people. The less attention each person is going to get. So if you have three or four great pass rushers coming at one time, good luck to an offensive line. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, whoever else is in there. If it's Bilal Nichols, if it's uh, Roy Robertson Harris, they're going to have a field day. I think this defensive line up front is going to wreak havoc on on so many offensive lines this year.
0: It definitely could be a situation of a pick your poison, right? And obviously the optimum situation for the Bears matchup wise is Khalil Mack one-on-one running on the outside and he somehow gets that low leverage and he just drives that hand into what looks like the offensive lineman's hip yet he's still driving with his legs and it seems like it's in one motion. Can you even describe how that is? How is that humanly possible? Dr. Cameron Lee.
1: I don't even know how, how Khalil is able to do the things that he does. he can can contort his body, you know, get into these crazy positions, have power, but have finesse and have speed all at the same time. You know, I was breaking down a little bit of his film today and just watching so many of his different techniques. And, you know, you can see all the different stacks that he has been able to accumulate over the years, all the different moves. He has so many things in his bag, so many tools Uh, In his repertoire, if you will, he's just got so many different ways to beat you, whether it's speed to power, or if it's an up and under, if it's a long arm, if it's, you know, his ability to to get the hip, his hand placement is just top tier, top level. And he is someone that I absolutely would be terrified if I had to block one-on-one.
0: Also terrified. So it sounds like you've stared into the eyes, the crazy wild eyes of Akeem Hicks before. What is that like? And you survived to tell the tale.
1: I I'm I spent the entire year I was basically Akeem's practice dummy for all of 2017, and let me tell you, you know he plays for the Chicago Bears, but he really is the Chicago Bear. I mean I'm talking six foot seven. He was 375 pounds. He had a four pack. He was fast. He was strong. He was aggressive, but he was still playful enough that you didn't know if he was kidding. You know he was just an absolute. Just an absolute terror for, for a rookie uh, for a rookie practice squad guy to go against because I didn't know how serious to take him, whether he was mad, whether he was happy, whether he liked me, whether he wanted to kill me. You know, he was just, just playful enough to, to, to be scary. And I spent so much time trying to block him, trying to make myself better, trying to make the team, you know, trying to do my job. And I think I might have just pissed him off. And you know when they say, don't poke the bear? I poked that bear. There was one particular time where I didn't know if I was going too hard for him. You know, because a lot of the times those ve- those veterans, those starters, they don't want to be shown up by some rookie on the practice squad going too hard. And there was one particular instance where I blocked him very well. And th- it didn't happen often, but I held my own. I was a professional athlete. I, I wasn't a superstar, but I-, I was supposed to be there. And I had a good rep against Hakim. And I remember on the very next play... He fired across the line of scrimmage, full bore, grabbed me by the neck. And keep in mind, I have a seven-foot wingspan. Most people can't just get to me. His wingspan was longer, stronger, more violent. He put one hand around my neck, stood me up, straight up in the air, and walked me right into Mike Glennon's lap. And, I mean, there was literally nothing I could do in that moment. And he said, try me again. And I'm like, I won't. I won't. You're good. My bad. (laughs) That's amazing. My favorite part about Akeem Hicks, too, is when he gets
0: a tackle for a loss in the backfield or a sack. Usually after that happens, the defensive player gets up, does the dance right, and then he'll get high fives and he'll get helmets and bumps and stuff. Nobody touches Akeem Hicks after those, it seems like, because his eyes are just going like crazy. And even the own players in the Chicago Bears go, I just don't think I'm going to touch this gentleman right now. I'm happy
1: for his success. I just don't think I'm going to be celebrating with him at this time. And I think we were friends or at least we were at least we were at least cordial teammates and I pissed him off. He is a scary human. Don't, don't poke the bear. That's my advice. Don't poke the bear. And that's the key, right? Got to keep the bear on the
0: field. Got to keep the bear up front, you know, rushing, rushing the quarterback and that's going to help everyone else too uh, as well. Like Khalil Mack, obviously, doesn't really need that much help. But when you put those two together, that's a dynamic force. And man, Robert Quinn on the other side too, as well, one of the most efficient pass rushers in the NFL, not just in the, you know, NFC, AFC in the NFL over the past several seasons, you put him on the other side. I have a feeling this could be like a night and day situation with Robert Quinn over there after watching Leonard Floyd the past three years.
1: I agree. I agree. This team is upfront is going to, I, like I've said before, really going to wreak havoc. They're going to have that that rush on the inside. And the impact that, that Akeem's going to have stopping the run game is huge. We're going to get into these pass situations. And when you get a freed up Khalil Mack, a freed up Robert Quinn, it could be lights out.
0: And you get those hits on those quarterback, and then suddenly the, uh, the velocity on those passes coming out aren't you know, zipping out of there, you leave some balls maybe up in the air. And that's where guys like Eddie Jackson in the secondary can come in and get those turnovers that we were lacking last year and thrived on in 2018. You know, Eddie Jackson, all pro, you know, last year, some say that, you know, he was playing for a contract, maybe protecting himself. Some say that maybe he just didn't have a great year. The ball didn't bounce his way. You know, what are you looking for from a guy like Eddie Jackson this season uh, in 2020?
1: You know, Eddie's proven that he can be one of the best safeties in the league. I think last year, coming into a little bit of a different scheme with Pagano, uh, you know, he was put in some different situations. Sometimes, like as a as a slot corner, sometimes you know he was sort of playing closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, obviously, sort of attempting to create more concern for the opposing offenses. He's kind of what you call a, an attention guy. And so as a, as a defensive player, he's someone that the offense is looking for, the offense notices, and sometimes either will try and avoid. Um, you know, I think playing next to HaHa last year and playing in a new scheme, I think there was just a little bit of, you know, maybe some growing pains, kind of learning a new a new system and, and sort of having to, maybe some loss of continuity. But that being said, I, he still was a great, was a great safety. And like I said, one of the best in the league. And I think that sort of having another year under his belt you know, having just gotten paid, you know, having, you know, kind of being this, this, the, a veteran now, if you will, and a leader, that's sort of where I want to see him take the next step is, is being a leader in that group, you know, kind of putting his stamp on the defense. And like uh, Pagano has said, in some of these interviews, just kind of like got to let Eddie be Eddie. You know, you don't want him to deviate from the plan. You don't want him to be uh, freelancing, but you do want him to, you know, trust his instincts, trust his understanding of, of the defense and of the scheme and to just kind of get out there and and just be himself and not be so much, you know, playing within the scheme, but just kind of like you said, let Eddie be Eddie.
0: And off the cuff, you know, I might sound like a dummy, but I do definitely want to ask you this and there might not be a definitive answer, but you know, you got Vic Fangio, right. And what the fans hear is that all the time, you know, he's great at, Instinctual calls in the middle of a game, you know, sort of reading when's the right time to hit that hot button, you know, and bring a guy. Maybe that sets up a situation perhaps where Eddie Jackson's in a position to maybe jump more routes and make more plays around the ball. When you say scheme change to Chuck Pagano, are you more referencing like Eddie Jackson's responsibilities? within that scheme would maybe take him away from perhaps being the ball hawk that he was two years ago? Am I reading that correctly? Or when you say scheme change, you know, what are you kind of driving at with that in terms of just Eddie Jackson?
1: Yeah, so just in terms of, you know, like you you kind of the nail on the head, it's just a responsibilities thing. You know, I I think that he had a little bit more of the freedom, you know, underneath the Fangio system to be that ball hawk, if you will. And then obviously coming in new system, uh, sort of some dif- different responsibilities, different coverage. Uh, he's sort of becomes not a robot, if you will, but kind of falls into learning this new system and making sure that I'm, that I'm playing by the rules and doing everything as I'm told, you know, and now, and now we're hearing that we want to see him just be himself a little bit more, cut loose a little bit more, be that ball hawk, get after it, and make those big special plays and not just being that conservative, you know, make the right play. Sometimes you want to see him make the big play.
0: And that is music to Bears fans' ears because I need more dances in the end zone, Cameron. I need more. I need more group dances. From, you know, the Motown to, I believe it was the Chicago Bears that started the trend of everyone having their picture taken with themselves in the end zone. I think they started that too as well. I need more of that. And I think that could honestly take a lot of pressure off the offense, right, as it did in 2018 to play loose and free. And whoever the quarterback is, you know, we can sort of go back to like that Chicago Bear football, riding the defense and trying to just take shots on offense.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. We want to continue to see those big plays. We want to continue to to see that defense take the pressure off that offense and the offense to just go out there and just score enough. We're not asking for too much there. But what I want to ask you right now is if you're coordinating, if you're coordinating some of these defensive celebrations, what would you like to see done? I know you're, you're talking about you want to see more of it. What would sort of uh, celebrations do you want to see? Well, I- I don't know if I want to see, but off the top of my head, you know, no one's ever really
0: gotten into, you know, like doing like some sort of grease routine of some kind, some sort of like musical action. You're the one that
1: I want. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> okay. So if we're, up.
1: if we're on the defense, who is Danny Zuko and who plays Sandy on the Chicago bears defense? Sandy's Tariq Cohen let's be honest here he could do a backup okay.
0: afterwards like he'd be totally fine you know it seemed like Prince Mukamara for a long time was sort of leading the charge in the dances but he's not around anymore so maybe there's an opportunity Cameron in 2020 for a new uh new dance coordinator to rise to the top you know I would say Anthony Miller but it seems like he's got enough things going on himself what do you what do you think who who might be a good person to nominate
1: for this you know, Tariq was a good choice. I think I think we got to put this one on Mitch. I want to see Mitch. I want to see Mitch in the end zone. I want to see us score some touchdowns. I'm calling you out, Mitchell Trubisky. I want to see more touchdowns. I want to see more dances. We want to see some confidence, that swagger, lead us to the end zone and lead us on the dance floor, Mitchell Trubisky. That's what I want from my quarterback. Yeah. I mean, even
0: electric slide, or if they all pretended to be like a band like ZZ top and sort of like move the guitars, or I'm even thinking like in a few good men situation where they put someone on the stand and Trubisky spikes the football and goes, I want the truth. I mean, I'm I'm up for anything. I mean, I'm getting elaborate.
1: I know. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great. Because, you know, we've been talking about the defense has success. The defense celebrates, the defense scores touchdowns and uh, choreographs dances. I want to see the offense do it. You've mentioned how great of an athlete, of a, of an acrobat even that Tariq Cohen is. Let's get creative. Let's see him. Let's see Anthony Miller. Let's see Allen Robinson. Let's get those offensive linemen. I love some offensive linemen dances. You know, I was part of some celebrations uh, in college. You know, we did a little three-man weave with the offensive line. Really? That was, that was one. Three the man, three-man man weave. <laughs> That's great. The offense. We did a three-man weave. Uh, we, we, got a, a, we did a little bobsled. We did a little bobsled action, which is a lot of fun. Wait, is that the toboggan? Is that like when you guys all get in the same,
0: yeah, same shoot, and then you you go down the the pike?
1: Yeah, so we kind of like we're running, carry, you got to run. We're all carrying like the toboggan or whatever, and then we kind of like threw it, and then we all jumped in simultaneously. You got five 300-plus-pound men on the field, cross-legged, you know, swaying back and forth like they're going down a hill. So, you know, I want to see more of that offense. Let's get creative. Let's get dancey. And, yeah. and you know. And, and the best part is you're scoring the points first, and then we get to see the dance. I'll tell you, one of my favorite touchdown celebrations of all that's, time. That- that's the part that people often forget about. You have to score. <laughs> that's you have what to score first.
0: That's what we forgot about last season. We had a lot of amazing dances. Just we're not able to do them because we didn't score points. Eureka! <laughs> one of my favorite ones of all time was, um, what was it, Rashid Davis. From like to the 2005, he'd, he'd hold the football, and then he would explode it out of his chest, and then mm. it would twirl in a circle a little bit. God, that was my favorite one. Simple, but really cool. Different way of holding the football. Exciting. Wish I was a part of the three-man weave, though. That would have been
1: great. Yeah, you got to get a nice three-man weave. We had an entry pass. We had a layup over the uh- – over the uh, the crossbar, and like we mentioned, that's another one we we mentioned last week. We we could get a little get a little play set, you know, for Jimmy Graham. He shoots a layup up over the crossbar because he's old man Jimmy Graham now. You know, they're calling him the Terminator, but I have to see it to believe it. I want to see Jimmy Graham get a layup. You know, let's get creative out there. Let's score some points and get creative on the dance floor.
0: And word on the street is that Jimmy Graham just so happens to be one of the best players in camp right now. Yes, this is early. We are recording this in mid-August, but still positive signs. They released a training camp video uh, of highlights from training camp on YouTube the other day watching that. And I was seeing a lot of 80 and 85, uh, which is Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham catching passes and making plays. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. Right. And the fact that they are focusing on the position that they invested in in the off-season so early in the season has to be a good sign.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to be any sort of a letdown at the tight end position. If they give us any productivity at all, any productivity to, at all, we're going to be stoked. I'm glad that they're highlighting it, that they're showing us, hey, we went out there, we made this investment. This is where our money went. You know, a lot of people saw Jimmy as an overpay. But, you know, whatever it is, Jimmy looks great. Cole's looks like Cole looks like he's coming along. I think this is a great sign for this offense. You know, they don't necessarily have the most – uh, explosive wide receiving core. We have seen the uh, the running game struggle to get going. We've made comments about the offensive line in the past. Maybe this tight end group is the core group for this offense. We know Allen Robinson is is the best player on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think, think there's any question about that. But maybe having a little bit of spark and more guys to throw to and kind of creating some versatility uh, for this offense, maybe the tight ends could spark things and get the get the ball rolling for the whole for the whole offensive squad. And we've been working on hot takes here on Believe in Bears, and I got one for
0: you. I don't know the number right now in Vegas, but I'm just going to say if it's if Jimmy Graham touchdowns, if this keeps trending in that direction, Jimmy Graham touchdowns, if it's anything under five and a half, I'm saying let's hammer the over. Go to betonline.ag, And I think six, seven touchdowns is easily something that could perhaps happen if he's healthy. And it
1: looks like he's got a little bit of the rejuvenation juice going on. It's promising. I'm I'm with you there. I think that Jimmy Graham is out to prove that his contract was not an overpay. I think that we are going to see a little bit of, of a comeback from him. And let's face it, we don't have a ton of offensive options. We I mean we just hit that point home. So, you know, you got the ball has got to go somewhere. I like Jimmy. I like the odds on Jimmy Graham. Let's go. I I think you're right there. It's six seven touchdowns. Totally doable. Six seven
0: touchdowns. Over under two point five dunks on the goal post after uh, said touchdown tough right I,
1: they're te- I they're dunks. telling me they're telling me he's the terminator they're telling me he's the terminator maybe he's back i want to see new orleans jimmy graham i want to see five five dunks five dunks to
0: wrap up on the defense real quick just from a fantasy football perspective we are getting a little bit closer and guess what believe in bears fans we are going to be doing a fantasy pod in the coming weeks you're going to want to make sure that you check that out but Fantasy-wise, you know, the Bears right now, they're the fifth-ranked fantasy defense right now. They got the 49ers at 100th overall average ADP, Ravens 114, Buffalo 119, 121 Patriots, 125 Steelers, and then the Bears. The Bears ranked right in the middle there at 131,
1: properly rated, overrated, underrated. I think that they're a little underrated. I think that that's probably a little bit based off of last year's experience, and I think we can make cases that this team's going to be better than they were last year. You know, I think that the Patriots team, again, kind of based off of some of the success that they've had last year, there's players opt out. I don't think that's the same team. I definitely think that I would rather have the Bears than the Patriots defense. Uh, so I definitely would move them up at least one spot. I think you could make the case. Obviously the, the 49ers, the Ravens, I'm not going to argue on that. But the Patriots, the Buffalo, or uh, Buffalo. I, I think that in a perfect situation, I think the Bears very easily could be slotted in that top three spot. Yeah,
0: I was just about to ask you, the Patriots honestly makes no sense. I mean, a lot of their dudes are sitting out this year. We don't know what kind of team it's going to be. Maybe they're just sort of banking on you'll get fancy points because they're not going to give up
1: a lot of team points per game. I mean, the Patriots are, are going to find a way to be good at it. I, mean, I, don't, I don't deny that, but I don't see them being a top three, top four, top five defense. To me, fantasy-wise, that just seems like we're just going off of history. With Belichick and Popovich, these great coaches, I kind of got to see them fall off before I'll write them off. But I don't know that I'm just going to assume going into the season that they're a top four, top five defense.
0: Yeah, they have legacies for a reason, and they are in the position now where I think they get to choose perhaps when that legacy comes to an end. I can wrap my head around the Steelers being just ahead of the Bears there. I won't shake my head at that. You can easily talk me into taking the Bears in fantasy over the Buffalo Bills, uh, Exhibit A. Then you don't have to watch the Buffalo Bills, fantasy fans. <laughs> uh, so,
1: shots fired, sorry. But the Chicago I wanna, is going to be a lot more interesting team to watch. For sure. I do want to pose a question to you, though, and to our listeners. I think the Bears – this is my hot take. I think the Bears are the number one team fantasy-wise in the entire NFL. I don't think that. No, not number one defense. I, what I'm saying is, I don't think there is a team that you would take the defense higher in terms of overall fantasy players. Gotcha. You know, because right now, if I'm if I'm drafting fantasy players off of the Bears, my thought is Allen Robinson, and then maybe. Jimmy Graham, if he's the Terminator, I'd like to say he is. Maybe a Cole Komet, maybe an Anthony Miller, David Montgomery. Anthony maybe. Miller
0: in the deepest of leagues. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure.
1: I'm not really sure that I – you might take three or four players before the their defense, but it's it's a shallow – it is a very shallow fantasy pool uh, to, pl- to pull from for the Chicago Bears. So I challenge you to find a team where the defense wouldn't go higher and the overall – um, fantasy players from from a specific team.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a scenario where you
1: Allen Robinson, a
0: thousand percent, will go first off the Bears. Then I would probably maybe make the case that David Montgomery somewhere in the fourth fifth round. I think that value is, is, is correct. I mean, as an RB two, I'm not super excited about that, but at the same time, he could be the number one back on hopefully an improving offense. And then, yeah, the bears. Right. And you know, you're, you're living in Illinois right now. I'm from there. We're both from there. And we know when we're doing our fantasy drafts with our buddies, bears second round off the board, Take it out your mind,
1: you know. Like so, we're not even gonna sniff at them this year. Yeah, someone over, someone will will reach for the Bears defense every year. It's inevitable. Give me them. Give me the Bears. Give me the Bears. Okay. All right, bud. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. But cal- cal- hey, you, down. Know, you gotta love having that guy, though. You can count on that guy.
0: Speaking on some off topics real quick, we're going to dive into uh, you know a little bit off the field stuff real quick. The first one for you, uh, instead of the main one that we're going to hit, this one's just real quick. It came out today that Bud Light is offering to fans a free case of beer if they select Gardner Minshew in the first round of their fantasy drafts, which would then put them into a larger pool, which would then allow them to earn Bud Light for an entire season, if they were to then win that pool with Gardner Minshew in their first round fantasy draft, I'm asking you, Cameron, what would it take to draft Gardner Minshew in the first round? Cause I'm telling you, it's not going to be water light, buddy light. It, you got to have to do more for me personally.
1: What it, would it take to get me to draft Gardner Minshew in the first round?
0: <laughs> what would it take a year supply of anything? the Popeye spicy chicken
1: sandwich. <laughs> what are we talking about here, man? Call back. Beautiful guard. Gardner Minshew is what the 15th best fantasy
0: quarterback. Oh man. I think he's a little deeper. 1820. That area. He's
1: he's not a QB. He's not a QB one. Yeah. No, he's and right
0: next to uh, drew lock and the ghost of Joe Flacco, or if he's <laughs> even still in the league and
1: he's, he's not a QB one. And I mean, I, you're, the only QB you can even make the case for to even pick in the first round is, is Mahomes or Jackson, which you shouldn't do that anyway. What are we talking about here? What is you lo, you out your goddamn mind, boy? <laughs> I
0: don't, what do we know? You would need a I would need like a year's worth of, of peanut butter or
1: like a year's worth of tacos, but don't give me no Bud Light for Gardner I Michu, like I like that you went with the peanut butter because you're really like. Peanut butter is so good. It's such a versatile player because you could you could use it in so many different ways. You could put it on everything. My grandpa eats peanut butter on his grilled cheese and on his hot dogs. So, you know, you his hot that, dog? You're,
0: Yeah, that's a new one. Peanut,
1: you gotta give it a shot. You know, the the old man the old man is not wrong. It's uh, I, I wouldn't do it every time, but if you're looking to mix it up, peanut butter on the hot dog. But anyway, the point being, I like that you're getting your value. You know, you're not just going out there and saying, I want a year's supply of something that you know, you're know you not going to actually use every day. Peanut butter, I I eat peanut butter once a day, so I think that's a good choice. It's my fantasy flex food, and honestly, if I'm going to be rocking the mustache... Fantasy <laughs> flex food! That's like, it's, it, it, man! It's, it's
0: versatile, dude. It can go on anything. It can go at any time of the day. No one's going to wag a finger at you. I have it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner if I could. I would need a year's worth to, to dive into the mustache that is Gardner Minshew. For my first round fantasy pick I mean, come Get on, bud. Like we know, we can. We know we can do better. We know we can do better. You know, we we talked about this before on the pod. We've talked some fast food, munchy items, and there was a great article. It's funny, you know. Believe in bears. Sometimes we are ahead of the news. That's why you listen to us. But two weeks ago, we were talking about food and offensive linemen. Over the weekend, ESPN came out with an article talking about, you know, offensive linemen you know, what they have to do diet wise and intake and the, ma- the weight maintained during the season. And then the struggles that they can have at the end of their career. And, you know, I don't know where you want to start first. I just want to start first within the first paragraph, Joe Thomas. I salute you, sir. King of the McNoNos He details an order where he gets like two Big Macs, two double quarter pounders, nuggets, double cheeseburgers. Honestly, like my dream and he's just telling this story and you called it man 2 weeks ago. And I was like, you know, who's the guy that could probably go craziest hog wild on food and you said Joe Thomas. You know, what was your take on that article? You know, let's talk a little more fast food if you want.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I had a I had a couple of different takeaways, which is you know, first of all, how much that article hit home for me was very it was very eye-opening and it was odd, you know, cuz we have this like a, this uh, tendency to sort of think that we 're the only one you know what I mean, and so like when I retire and I stop playing football and i 'm losing weight i 'm not thinking about any you know everyone else anymore, but when you read this article and you see guys like Joe Thomas and Nick Hardwick and Marshall Yonda and Alan Fanica and all these offensive linemen are going out there and, and losing all this weight and they 're talking about the struggles that they had while they played and the struggles that they had you know post career. All this stuff—it was crazy how relatable it was for me, you know. And anyone that kind of knows me knows that uh, since I've stopped playing, I've tried to lose a lot of weight. I've tried to do all this different stuff, uh, you know, sort of trying to change up my lifestyle. At this very moment, I've got some ice on my ankle because because uh, I'm I'm nursing an injury from my marathon training. So it's it's wild. But anyway, enough about me. You don't you don't care about me. <laughs> but anyway, th- the thing that I that there was a quote in there uh, from Joe Thomas, and he said. When you start eating and exercising like a normal human being, the health benefits are amazing. And just him saying like a normal human being, it hit, so, it ho- hit home for me so much because people are always like, you know, what are you doing? What's your diet? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, I, I have no diet. I'm just eating like a regular human anymore. I'm not trying to consume as many calories as possible every single day. So I thought that was really interesting, and that I really, I really related to that. But also just sort of some of the struggles that they mentioned, you know, for these guys trying to gain and maintain weight throughout their career, and then the process of of taking it all off when you're done. And they talk about how some of these guys feel like they have eating disorders, and how they're almost addicted to the food, and how you know you don't feel complete. I get that, man. Like I've got these, I've got urges. I'm a man. I have urges and and, you know, sometimes they're for Oreos. (laughs) They are. No, it's, it's crazy because you know, no matter how well I'm doing, how active I'm trying to be, you know, I'll eat super healthy during the day and I'm, I'm very proud of my diet, but then I'll get home at like 10 o'clock at night and I, and I still, and I've been out of the game for two years. I still feel like, man, I'm supposed to be eating more. And it's hard. It is really hard. So I, I thought this the article was eye-opening, and I hope a lot of people read it and sort of learn, you know, not the dangers necessarily, but I just have a, a new appreciation for what some of these people go through and an understanding, and hopefully we could be a little bit safer, safer in the future, you know, regarding the position and regarding our habits.
0: It talks a lot about the mentality, and I think it's something that fans really lose a lot of times when, you know, they see, like, a Vince Wilfork or somebody, and they're just like... You know he just loves to eat, and man, isn't he so lucky to be fat? That's the only reason why he's in the NFL because he's a big body, which is honestly, I'm just gonna say it's such bullshit, right? And this article really illuminates that, where it gets into this concept of you have to eat every couple hours and maintaining and gaining and all that stuff. That is a mentality that you have to have, you know. And once you break off of that, it's it's difficult, you know, not not to be a, a joker about it. But, you know, you're not waking up at 2 a.m. with a bag. With your hand in a bag of potato chips being like, Oh, you know, what happened anymore? And you I can only imagine you're still kind of getting those cravings all the time. And for a lot of these guys, you know, if they didn't keep that weight on, they lost their job. You know, and coaches were on them to do that very thing. And that's what Joe Thomas talks about. You know, he, he bought an extra, extra large, extra soda just because the five hundred calories, you know, is just the easiest thing to do to help him keep gaining. And that was the most eye opening thing really. And it's just a testament to like what people go through and we talk all the time about on the field, but but off the field for offensive defensive linemen to maintain that size.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the common misconception that we, and we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago, but you know, the offensive lineman, the defensive lineman is no longer just this big fat sloppy dude. These guys are working to be as big as possible and working to be as fast and nimble, as quick as possible simultaneously. And those two don't go hand in hand. So some of these guys, like I think it was Nick Hardwick, for example, was a high school wrestler who wrestled at 171 pounds, 171 pounds. That is a small high school lineman. You know, I coached some high school ball. That is that's small for my offensive line. And then going to go and play in the NFL and, and they want you to be bigger and heavier and be able to hold your own. So you do what you got to do because we all want to do this. We all want to be in the in the light and be an NFL player and do all that. So you you make the sacrifices, you put on the weight. It is, this is not easy. People think that you're just some fat guy, you just eat whatever you want. I mean, you're eating and it is it becomes a job. It absolutely becomes a job and there's a commitment to it. There's a a commitment level to it that is just you know, people wouldn't understand and I just I think it's really cool seeing those guys who have the success stories so that when they're done, they're able to lose all this weight and get, get into incredible shape. You know, I'm still, I got heroes. Uh, I'm still trying to, to get on my Alan Fanica. Uh, you know, he's running, he, he ran his marathon in, in under four hours. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, but I'm, I'm trying. So I think all of that's really cool. And I hope that people have a better understanding of these offensive linemen and kind of what they go through and, you know, maybe more respect for it because, you know, the job is hard enough. You get very little recognition as a football player. Can you at least please give these guys some recognition as human beings when they step away and are able to, to, you know, not only gain, you know, un, unhuman, um, inhuman amounts of weight and then go and, and lose it right back.
0: Which brings us to our final topic to bring us home today. i Believe in bears. This segment's called the cost of doing business, uh, a phrase that, uh, one of Cameron's former coaches used to say to him all the time and I gotta tell you it's got a nice little ring to it and the cost of doing business segment today is we're going to talk about some fast food because as you've just mentioned you know to play in the NFL offensive lineman defensive lineman it's a it's a real thing you know you got to make these gains and your diet changes and stuff so let's have a little fun with it for a second let's talk a little fast food to bring us home today. You know What's on your mind, Cam? We've been talking about the spicy chicken sandwich, but we haven't covered all the ground yet. It just can't stop at Popeye's. We can't go to the top of the mountain. There's other stuff on the journey as well.
1: Dude, I don't know when I became um, such a Popeye's person. Well, (laughs) I was never a fast food person. I I was a McDonald's guy in high school because I'm from a town of a thousand people. I had a McDonald's. I had a Subway. That was it.
0: And wait, real quick, was McDonald's the place that you guys would all go to like on Friday night to like see who's hanging out and like yeah. see where the parties were? That's what I had too. Like, if, Absolutely. If you were driving around with some buddies and you had nowhere to go and you didn't know about the parties, maybe you weren't invited yet, just go to the McDonald's. Get a double cheeseburger, hang out, see which other groups show up, intermingle and see if you can get some deets and then carpool it over.
1: Yeah, I would cruise the lot. You know, so you, yes. you make your way – pretend like you're going through the drive-through and you drive past really slow and see who's inside. Yeah, yeah. And if there's anyone we're stopping, you know, you you go around and you park on the other side of the building. You,
0: you play <laughs> your favorite kind of music, super, super loud. A, loud. Con- badass. And B, just yeah. kind of let everyone know where you're coming from. And then you go, oh, wait, sorry, I was just listening to music. You know, hey, what's yeah, right. up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the move. That never worked, but, I mean, that was the move. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever <laughs> – Nothing ever worked, period. But no, not in high school. Not in high school. But beyond beyond Popeyes, you know what's uh, what's on your menu here?
1: Okay, so, well, first of all, I still want to give a shout out to Popeyes. I don't be mad at me. No, this is man. what I I went back to Popeyes to get another one of of my beloved spicy chicken sandwiches. Hold on, and I'm you, gonna. You did investigative work without me, Cameron. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right? bummed. I'm bummed, dude. I'm gonna. I don't know why I feel so compelled to ride for Popeyes so much, but I'm they're my they're my, my new people, so It'll be anyway, a sponsor went, by Halloween. <laughs> I'm working on it, man. I'm absolutely working on it. I, I tweet about it every time I eat it. I don't I don't know why, but I feel like that not enough people know about Popeyes, so I'm out there spreading the word. That being said, they did not have the spicy chicken sandwich, which broke my heart, but I said, you know what? I will adjust. I will play this one out. we will figure something out. So I tried the hot honey chicken. <laughs> oh, woo! Let me tell you, man. I think we have a winner. It's not quite the spicy chicken sandwich, but if I if I gotta have another thing, that is a nice number too, man. If I if the if the if the spicy chicken sandwich is Luka Doncic, that uh, hot honey chicken is is Kristaps Porzingis. It is not. It's not top tier. But it's pretty damn close, and if it's your second best player, I like my offensive firepower. It's a great running mate. I
0: thought for a second there you were gonna go maybe like MacGyver DIY with me, because I was thinking, here's what you do: you get the chicken tenders, with Mm. this heat sauce and some biscuits. Slice them biscuits up and just kind of just make your own. Bro,
1: you're walk out. You're you're some sort of uh, creative mastermind. I mean, someday I'll tell you about my spaghetti sandwich idea, but uh, until that day, okay. Well, while we're on the topic of custom sandwiches from fast food, let me tell you a quick little tale. One of my best friends from high school, super cheap, the most conservative family I've ever been around. Fiscally conservative people, (laughs) great people, but just wouldn't spend a dime if they didn't have to. Anyway, we would go to McDonald's, right? And, you know, they had like the dollar menu. My friend found out that you could save, I want to say it was like 19 cents by not getting the cheese on the burger, right? so my <laughs> so my friend and his whole damn family they would order they would order like mcdonald's hamburgers that's right go i i'd like a mcdonald's hamburger and take it home and slap on some craft singles saving the 19 cents per, per burger you know that's a total of what there's four of them we're not, <laughs> what are we talking about saving here saving 60 cents for a family of four is that what we're playing what, here whatever it is man 80 cents. Yeah. And, and, but you know, you got to respect it. You got to respect it. That being said, I once had an order at McDonald's. I once ordered a double quarter pounder with cheese, a 10 piece nugget, a large fry, two snack wraps and a hot fudge sundae. And did so, it all. Did it all. Don't offend me. I, I can honestly say this. I've never, I've never had a to go box. <laughs> like e- ever. Like I, I mean like even even Skinny Cam has never had a to-go box. I don't know if it's just like my mentality, but I finished the job. You're like walking over the to-go box and opening it like a mouth, like, excuse me, what is this? I've I've never heard of it. Yeah, I've I've had people come up and ask me if I need a box and I say, Don't offend me. Don't don't offend me. I'd probably be the guy that would try and do a to go
0: box at a buffet. We're from the Midwest, man. We clean our plates. Finish the damn and job. And sometimes we have two plates. I'm not a stranger to that. Uh, and sometimes on Thanksgiving,
1: I just eat until I sleep. <laughs> but after games, uh, I would always go out to eat. And oftentimes, oftentimes I would hit him with the, hey, could I get a – and this was – I was notorious for going to Denny's post game, And I would get like a Lumberjack Grand Slam, which is a very large breakfast, and then I'd get some sort of like burger or a sandwich meal next to it. And the waitress always said, ha, 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 And then I'd go, no, seriously. And, and she would be like, oh, okay. And so they would like bring out these like two very large meals, these very large plates and then put them on like separate tables. Like, like I was embarrassed or they didn't have room at the table. I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. I'm not ashamed of this. I am what I am in college. They had this, uh, yeah, in college, you know, you're, you're squeezing pennies. You're doing the best you can. And in
0: college for me, I was wildly single. So I was alone at the house one night and I just wanted to go ham on some food. And Domino's had this deal and it was called the Home Alone deal. And it was uh, wings and a medium pizza. And I think like whatever, maybe a drink or something like that. So I called them up and I'm like, hey, I'd like to do. I got this coupon here. It looks like it's the medium pizza and the chicken wings. And they're just like, oh, so the Home Alone. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm not home alone. I'm not, home alone. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not home alone. Well, is that the deal, sir? Is, 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 uh, is it the home? Al- I'm not, ho- I'm not home alone. This is for multiple people. Just let me get this straight. This is for multiple people. And they like, literally like made me say it. It was like, yeah, I got the home alone. And then, uh, and then housed it, housed it to the heavens. It was, it was glorious.
1: Uh, that might be your highlight, Joey.
0: <laughs> I think it was all downhill from there. Real quick for you. Whopper or Wendy's burger where, where double, double Wendy's or Whopper.
1: I always go Wendy's if we're talking the burger. I don't mind that we have a square burger on a round bun. I had a friend growing up who had to remove the corners of the burger because he didn't like that it hung over the bur- or over the bun. We're no longer friends. <laughs> Did it end that day? Did you take the corner burgers, pop them in your mouth, and just peace? I was 12, so I didn't have the, you know, wherewithal. Beans, yeah. I, I I wasn't mature enough to make that decision and realize this wasn't going to be a person I was going to like forever, but it definitely planted the seed. Yeah, I'm the Wendy's guy uh, through and through. Still
0: love like the Frosties, all that stuff. Get the double-double. I do like a good classy, juicy Whopper. I haven't done it in a long time. I think it gets the job done. Typically, there's a Burger King and an airport, and those Whoppers – uh don't really stand up. So I don't find myself in the BK range that often.
1: My, my beef with the Whopper is that it doesn't come with cheese,
0: right? You have to ask
1: for it. You have to, yeah. Why would I, I'm not going to add but please, cheese, but
0: please give me five more pounds of lettuce on the Whopper. Yeah, please. Right.
1: Like I said, I don't eat fast food. I don't know why over the last three weeks I've had Taco Bell, Popeye's and Wendy's with, I'm telling you, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm covering up or like I'm lying. I really don't eat fast food ever uh but i but i have dabbled a little bit more and i think i'm doing it for the show cuz i wanna seem like you know i wanna seem like the common man i'm one of you yes. guys so if you guys yeah, have yeah. a recommendation please make sure that you uh you know ta- tag me on uh, tag me on some on what is it twitter is that what it is twitter ig Tw- whatever twitter comeback cam tell me what you want me to eat i'll eat it i'll give it a shot joey will do the same we I- will I will we'll absolutely
0: try do the same, and you know, when it comes to nuggets, you might not dunk and tell, but you have been very forthright about the fast food. I'm very curious if we're going to cover all the the demographics as we go along here. Like next week, you're going to talk about bok choy, and I'll
1: give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> it
0: a shot. <laughs> and hey, go, tofu.
1: Yeah, right. I, Hey, I was 328 pounds. Like I said, man, I will give. I'll give anything a try.
0: There's nothing in this world the Cameron Lee. Maybe not has already eaten or will not try. So you better, we'll a you better shot. You better add him on Twitter or hit him up on IG. I think this is going to do it for episode four, Cameron. How do you feel, man? Uh, Believe in Bears episode four. Why don't you take us home uh, on a great episode?
1: Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hanging out with Joey and I. Thank you for going down the wonderful road that is American fast food. Maybe we'll get a little bit more adventurous and colorful next week or our next episode or whenever we do this again but appreciate you guys listening you've been listening to believe in bears and we are signing off